Okay. Awesome. Well, it gives me a great pleasure to introduce my friend, Pastor Steve from Hamilton. Uh, Steve's been uh, with us by video before because we had COVID going on, but he graciously came down and recorded something with us. And I was just saying to him, it was a really, really powerful message for us. If you haven't yet seen it, I'm going to advertise it. It's called In the Middle. And it was a great message. It's on our YouTube channel. Encourage you to watch it. But uh, Pastor Steve uh, from Hamilton, Activate. And uh, we just want to say thanks. We honor you uh, for coming to serve us today. Appreciate you coming down. And uh, come on, let's, uh, let's be open and willing to receive from what God's brought through this man today. Now give him a round of applause as he comes and shares. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. So nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name's Steve. Uh, I have an awesome family. My wife's name is Marma, uh, and I, I did very well. God bless me. Uh, I have two great kids. Um, my son's name is Tipine. We call him TJ. And my daughter's name is, uh, well, her name is Amelia Millie. And depends which day it is, what she gets called. So she's, she's one or the other. And, um, yeah, and we're very, very blessed. We have, uh, we, yeah, we're very blessed with our family. Thank you for having me here today. Um, I want to thank you guys, and I really want to take a moment to, uh, to honour you, Phil and Kathy, and uh, thank you for what you do and what you carry. Uh, I was talking to a friend that's just stepped into being a pastor, and he goes, oh, I didn't realise what you guys did. <laughs> and I said, too late to back out now. And, uh, um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I want to thank you. I want to I bless you. I want to, I wanna, um, yeah. God, God has called you, and you have, um, you have said yes, and then found out what that meant. <laughs> and um, I was very tempted to change my message today, but Phil told me that I had to speak a message, so I've, I've worked on that. So I'm not going to change it because I'm a bit scared of Phil. <laughs> and um, uh, and um, but I really felt after hearing the testimonies. Um, I have a, I have this message that is called the first report, and uh, when you read through the Bible, there is only one first report that God blessed us, and then He told us what He wanted us to do. He wanted us to increase and multiply and rule and reign in life. And <laughs> I'm just picking on you, the fellas. All right. Um, and uh, and you will get a second report. And when you find out something about your health, it's always a second report. It's not the first report. And in that, dis- in that moment, in that time where you get a second report, uh, I've gone for a house loan and got a second report. And I thought, but I thought God wanted to bless me and increase and rule and reign in my life. And then I got the second report. I'm so pleased you guys got a first report. But how many times do we get a health thing? We find out something about our family. Overseas, we, 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 there's these things that come against us. And in that point, you've got to decide, which report am I going to receive? Now, sometimes it takes a long, the long journey. Um, a few years ago, uh, a guy, a, a prophet called uh, Michael Maiden, sometimes I add a McMaiden or something like that in there because there's McCrackens as well, and, and I get, get them a little bit mixed up. But he prophesied over me and my wife, and he said, I see... God ruling for you. And my daughter um, made a picture, uh, we've got a picture on my wall. When I wake up, it's the first thing that I see. Because it's good to remember that God's ruling for you. I kind of see him like sitting in a, in a court. I'm not really sure. 
but I see him like with one of those, one of those, you know, the things that they, they whack on there. And thank you very much. And, um, and, and it's like he's going, Steve, done. I'm ruling for you. I'm ruling for you, Phil. I'm ruling for you. I'm ruling for you. I'm ruling for you. And I'm ruling for you. And we're like, oh, but I got this report from the doctor. And he goes, but I've already ruled over here that you're all right. It's going to make, I'm going to do a miracle. And I want to really encourage you is that we get to either choose the other reports that come over our life. You know that, that annoying person when you were at high school that said dumb things over you? You didn't like them. Nobody liked them. But for some reason, you've carried around their report in your life your whole life. That teacher or that person, that, that, that boss that said something over your life and you've decided to keep that as the report? There's only one report. And it's what we choose to do with that report. And hearing those testimonies today, that's what's happening is the first report is overriding the second report, the third report, the fifth report, the tenth report. And I want to encourage you is that what is the first report for your life? It's very easy. It's in Genesis. And it's, the, and it's the heart of God that he wants to bless you, that he wants you to increase. I'm, I'm believing for grandchildren because that's increase. I mean, that just fits into the first report. Increase and multiply and rule and reign in life or subdue. Man, there's some things we've got to subdue. Sometimes it's in our mind that we have to subdue them. Sometimes it's in, in, in the, the things, but, but God wants us to rule and reign in life. And can I encourage you, he's ruling for you. He's not like going, oh, don't know. What makes you so special that he's going to rule good for everyone else except for you? You're, you're, he's not sure about you. What made you, like, what? seriously, eh? Like sometimes we think silly things, right? And every now and again, it's just good to think, oh, yeah, no, okay. Maybe I got to catch up with that. I want to tell you a story before I get into the message today. Because um, I'm a good storyteller. Uh, if you've heard uh, my message, that I, uh, you've, you know what I'm talking about. And I, uh, when I was young, I lived in a place called Levin. I don't know if you've heard of Levin. It's kind of between Palmerston North and Wellington in the area there. And I was uh, brought up in my uh, late years in high school and intermediate, uh, sorry, late years in primary, intermediate, and my first year at high school was in the same. I've got so many stories uh, from that little four or five years I was there, it was kind of like the perfect little town to be a little kid growing up in. Everything, the thing that you would know about Levin, and maybe Te Amut is the same as this, is um, if you play up, your mum finds out before you even get home. <laughs> now, this is the days before cell phones, but somehow my mum would find out, and so that was always interesting when I got home. But I remember one day I had an appointment in town uh, and so I'd gone to town, and so I lived on one side of town, and the intermediate school was on the total opposite corner. This, it is Levin, so it's not that far, but it, but, but it was like back in the days where kids actually used to bike to school. Didn't get dropped off by the parents, you know, like, like they actually used to do that. So me and a few mates, we'd bike over, maybe it took us about 30 minutes to bike, and and, and we'd do that. And so on my way to school one day, I had, had an appointment. So all my friends went off. I went into town. And then I kind of finished the appointment and I was like, man, like if I go, if I go uh, the normal way, go back to the normal way to go to school, it's going to take me way longer. It's going to be way harder. I'm going to exert way more effort. But I, or, or I could take the shortcut, right? 
Now, you've got to remember, I'm an intermediate boy. So the way that I view life is kind of like, is always going to take the shortcut, right? The problem with the shortcut is you had to go through an alleyway. The alleyway was an alleyway that had like a, had a um, elbow in it. Like you, you, when you got to the alleyway, you'd look down, but you couldn't see to the other end because you'd have to go about halfway along and then you'd come around the corner to find out. The, the problem was this alleyway, uh, often people would get beaten up in the alleyway. People would, get, um, uh, people would uh, steal people's stuff off them in the alleyway. You, do you know what I mean? And so my mum, I'm sure my dad did, but I could always just hear my mum's voice saying, you do not ever go through the alleyway. And any time the paper came out and there was a report about someone getting beaten up or, or someone getting robbed in this alleyway, my mum would would be very careful to show me this thing and say, never go through this alleyway. But this day, it was like, it's way more effort to go the other way. So I just went down to have a look. And I just kind of got down there and I'm looking, I'm like, that looks pretty good. It's not, it's, it's, there's not even any graffiti on this thing. And I'm kind of like using my, my, my intermediate Steve viewpoint to work out whether this was a good idea or not. And so I'm kind of there, and I'm thinking, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm late to school already. I mean, I'm not sure why I wanted to be at, to school early. <laughs> like, what was I thinking? But, you know, like, but, but I was thinking, oh, it's really important. You know, like, if I go the other way, it's good. I, I don't know. I don't know if you ever do this. You kind of build up a case that if you ever got caught, called into court for something that you had a great response. This is what I was doing. I was building my case why I should go the shortcut way. And so here I am, I'm looking down there, I'm like, man, and it's kind of like late. So, I mean, who would be, like, after nine, between nine and 9.30, who's going to be anywhere? All of the kids are at school, right? And, and no one else is up. So I'm thinking, okay, and, and I, so I decide to go for it, right? Intermediate Steve thinks this is a good opportunity from his viewpoint. So I start off, and it's going fine, guys. It's going fine right up until I get to the corner. I get to the corner, and as I go around the corner, there's a bunch of high school kids coming the other way. Now, I've got this, I've got this option right now is, like, bail and get out of there, like, turn around and just, like, get out of that thing, or just, like, be confident and just carry on, you know? And so I decided to be confident and carry on. So here I am, as I'm, I'm just on my bike, and I'm biking through this thing, and as I go to bike past these guys, one guy grabs me by my backpack, pulls me off my bike, and rips my bag off my back. And they start going through my thing. One guy comes up to me. He's just about to give, start kicking me as I'm on the ground. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, man, mum was right. <laughs> I, think, I think this day has gone from, man, I think I'm smart. Hey? Like intermediate brain Steve thinks, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make it easier for myself. This is going to be better for me. It's going to not have so much energy. You know, like I'm, this is what I'm thinking to myself. This is what's going through my brain. And then like within a minute, I'm on the ground. I've got people going through my stuff. Someone's stealing my lunch. It's like an intermediate kid's lunch. It's not even good. I'm just about to get kicked on the ground. And then from the background over there, a guy goes, hey, I think that's Jafir's brother. Now, my name is Steve Jafir's. Not Jeffries, not Jafaris, not, J- J- not all of those things that you call me. Uh, we've got a joke at work, and uh, Phil's brother, Tim, uh, we always have a laugh about it, because you can't get Brown wrong. <laughs> but you can definitely get Steve Jafir's wrong. But I know, know that this guy must know my brother, because he knows how to pronounce my name. And then for the first time in my life, and probably only time in my life, I was like, yes! 
Because usually when a teacher says, are you Jafir's brother? I'd be like, no, miss, sorry. Don't know him. No relation at all. Because I don't want to get, like, you know, painted by that same brush. I don't want to be in that same thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, that's my brother, Mark. And they just said, hey, it's Mark's brother. Picked me up. Put my backpack on me. Someone gave me their lunch. <laughs> gave me back my bike, and I walked through. Went from this moment of, oh, my gosh, to this moment where, I was saved, and we'll talk about it right at the end of this message today, about a relationship that I had. I was saved. Intermediate Steve's view of what was good for Intermediate Steve is very different from mum's view. (laughs) Mum's wisdom, mum's understanding, and mum's knowledge. I'm sure dad, but I just can't remember dad ever telling, dad would have said, just go fast, mate. You know, like... (laughs) There's something amazing that happens when you know something, but then you decide to use your viewpoint to make a decision off it. We're in a series here about open windows of heaven. It's interesting when you read the Bible. It's interesting when you read about God's wisdom. It's interesting when God says, this is good for you. But then all of a sudden... I've just discovered now in my 50s that intermediate Steve is a lot closer than I want him at times. <laughs> because I hear what I'm meant to do and I understand that this is the right way to do it, but from my viewpoint, I think it could be easier if I went this way. It could be faster if I went this way. It could be, it could be less effort if I go this way and I make decisions based off intermediate Steve, who still lives in this old man. You know, one of the things I've discovered is we all have an intermediate Steve, but you can just put your name in there. And intermediate Steve shows up way more often than we think. Intermediate Steve is not wise. (laughs) Have you ever met, uh, you might have an intermediate child right now, I'm not trying to pick on that child, but but they just have really interesting ways of making decisions. They know everything, so to speak, but they're just looking from their viewpoint. There's a verse that says this in Genesis 2 and verse 15. The Lord God placed uh, the man in the Garden of Eden uh, to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you will surely die. And then in Genesis 3 and verse 6, it says, the woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and it looked, uh, and the fruit, and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wis- uh, she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it and she gave some to her husband who was there with her, and he ate it too. At the moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. They knew what to do, but all all of a sudden, intermediate Steve showed up. We call her Eden Eve. You like that? Intermediate Steve and Eden Eve. How often have you heard someone say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to Eve about that? Why don't you just talk to your intermediate self? (laughs) 
Because the reality is we like to use our viewpoint rather than God's viewpoint. We like to use our opinion from what we can see rather than the wisdom that God has shown us. You know, one of the things about this, this, this generation is we value our thoughts more than any other generation. A generation that is enamored with our opinion uh, to the point where we pride ourselves on our thinking. But this is what Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Okay, pause here for a second. I mean, how different can his thoughts be? Great, he wrote it after this. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves sitting at alleyways going, man, maybe there's another way. And God's saying, hey, but my thinking is so different than your thinking. How different as far as that is from that? I mean, we're not even in the same ballpark, and you're choosing intermediate Steve's ideas, Eden Eve's ideas over the wisdom of God. Another version says it like this, my intentions are not always yours. I do not go about things the way that you do. It's quite sobering, right? When it comes to choosing fruit, And what looks good in our eyes, when it comes to taking shortcuts through alleyways, what looks good in our eyes, God says, I see it different. I'm going to talk about tithing today, just for a few moments, because I know we don't want to take too long, because that would be painful, right? Uh, But I want you to understand, before we get into that, if we want to live in the promises of God, there's some things that we need to deal with so that we can live in the promises of God. Are you with me? If you actually want to live in the promises of God, I remember as a youth pastor, I was a terrible youth pastor. Started off a terrible youth pastor. I got better, Phil. But I started off terrible. I was a terrible preacher. I got a little bit better too there. Uh, but I just had one message, and it was always, God doesn't want you to live in slavery. He wants you to live in the promised land. And I just preached that every week for about six months. I had a different scripture and a different title, but it was always the same message. Because God doesn't want you to live in a place of slavery. He doesn't want us to live in a place of, of, being, uh, of being confined. He wants us to live in the promises of God. The problem is to get to there require us, as requires us to stop going down alleyways that we think are better for ourselves. I want you to look at this real quick, and we're going to get, we're going to, get to, the, to, to it in a second. But, but to go into the, into the promised land, they had to defeat seven giants, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Pezerites, the uh, Gerasites, the Am- Amorites, the Jebusites, uh, all of the ites, right? That's, that was their job, to go in and, and, and to, to, to tackle all of the ites so that they could actually finally live in the promise of God. One of the great things is that we give our lives to Jesus, and we say, Jesus, we thank you that you gave your life on the cross for me. I'm going to take my broken life, and I'm going to exchange it for your perfect life. I'm, I'm receiving your salvation over my life. 100% we do that, and there's going to be an opportunity today to do that again. Because guess what I've discovered along the way? Is I need to do that regularly. Because intermediate Steve keeps popping up. And so I need to get myself right with him again. 100% do that again and again. But then if we just carry on living exactly the same, we'll never live in the promise that God has in store for us. 
We'll never live in the fullness of what God has in store for us because we're saying, I'm saved, but I'm still going to choose this alleyway and this alleyway and this shortcut. When he's saying, hey, no, I've got a better picture for you. Do you know that the Canaanites, the, the meaning of the, uh, of, of the first giant that they had to come up against, I'm going to get there in a second. Where is it gone? Is um, the, the Canaanites are the lowlands people who are into materialism, financing, finance, exaggerated people pleasers, and humiliators. The first giant that they had to tackle was a giant that had finance as a problem in it. And if we want to live in the promises that God has in store for us, guess what? It's going to be one of the things that we have to tackle and win the fight on. The second is the, the Hittites. I'm not going to go through them all because that could be a whole other message But today. But the second one, and we've heard about it today as well, is uh, they are the, the, the giant that brings paralysis through fear and confusion discouragement, depression, and they ruled over the largest land. What are the two things that challenge us as a people right now? Is, is fear, depression, anxiety, takes up the most space in our world right now. But, but the first is how we deal with our finances, how we deal with work with our materialism and, uh, and the things that we can uh, uh, accumulate over, over time. It says in Matthew 6 and verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either will hate one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Are we nearly finished? <laughs> we can't serve God and money if we compromise and we give up our heart and we don't tackle that giant, we can never live in the promise. That's the store. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, one of the great gifts that I have is that I just, just often will just go, okay, God, I don't know, so I'm just going to trust you. Maybe I'm not the smartest person on the planet, so sometimes I just realize I don't know, so I'm just going to go your way, right? Around tithing, I've been super blessed that right in the early days, someone said to me, Steve, one of the things that will help you to become all you're called to be in the things of God is to tithe. Give 10% of what, of what increase comes into your world, give 10% of that. And I didn't even really think about it, and I just did it. And I'm so pleased for the person who said that to me. I told you a little bit before about my wife. I mean, my wife is intelligent. She's beautiful. In fact, I had, uh, uh, is this all right to say, I was talking to someone the other day, and they came up to me, and I'd never met them before, and they said to me, Hey, I just had this question. Uh, what's, the, what's the age difference between you guys? Because there seems to be a really high age difference. It's rude, eh, Kathy? Because I just got to let you know, it wasn't, she wasn't worried that I was the younger one. My, my wife, honestly, she, she's, she's amazing. I, 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 people say, how did you ever get to marry her? I think it's because I tithed. <laughs> Because I don't know how else I did it. <laughs> Every morning when I wake up, I tell her that I love her, and I make sure she knows that before she has any other ideas that come into her head. But I'm so pleased that, 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 that someone said to me, just tithe, give. Now, has there been tests around it? 100%. When it comes to buying a house, and you've got to, 
and then the bank's like, well, so what's that thing there? And you're like, it's, it's what I give to the church. Why? Because I want to give it to the church. And, and then they look at everything and they want to maybe rule you out on getting your house because of that one thing. There's a test around that. When we moved from Palmerston North, where I was a pastor, to plant a church in Hamilton, and we came here and we had no job, <laughs> And we just, we invested, like we went back to four years where we just said, look, we're going to, we're just going to sow into this thing. And, and, and then a little bit would come in, you know, like someone gives you, hey, look, here's a little bit, you know what you're doing. You're like, oh, thank goodness. I might be able to buy some new shoes for the kids. And then it's like, but hey, that was increase. Are you going to give on that as well? Like there's always a test. And what I've discovered with tithing, and if I could leave you with this today, if, there, if anything is from here on in is tithe, Tithing is about worship. Who do you worship will come through in your tithe. I want to, I want to go real quick because I'm going to run out of time otherwise because I'm getting so distracted. Uh, tithing is a worship, is the issue. Uh, tithing, the issue is worship. The clearest way that we, uh, uh, way to see what we value and what we esteem, uh, esteem of what we, is what we worship. It's about what we do with our money. What do we do with our resource is the best description of what we value. God says if we worship him, then the first place we should give our money to him. Money, you, uh, money is used to worship. If we have a little, then we, do, we give a little. And if we have more, we give more. The issue has always been around worship. In Luke 16 and verse 13, it says that neither, uh, uh, either you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both. I'm going to cut some out. I hope that's all right. No, I'm not. I'm going to change my mind. Genesis 4 and verse 17 says this. After Abraham returned from defeating uh, the, king, the king's allied with him, and the king of Sodom came to him, and he met him in the valley, uh, that is the, val- the king's valley, and then Melchizedek, uh, king of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of the God Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, "Blessed be Abraham by the by God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand." And then Abraham gave them him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abraham, "Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself." But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and I've taken an oath, and I will accept nothing belonging to you, but even a thread of, of the thong of your sandal, so that, I, uh, so that you will never be able to say that I made Abraham rich. Abraham was returning from battle. He had just got increased. Sodom, the king of Sodom, uh, came out. We know the story of Sodom. It later gets destroyed because of his gross perversion of sin. Uh, and then the king of Salem, later named Jerusalem, represents the church and the place of worship and the blessing. He's met by these two kings. Picture of us, two different kings that we have right now in our world. Two forces, the king of the world and the king of, who got, uh, of, of the kingdom. The devil says to Jesus, I will give you all of the kingdoms of the world if you just bow down and worship me. We know that. And this king comes and he says, hey, you can keep your money if you give me the people. You can keep your money 
if you give me the people. I don't think the enemy's changed. I think he will come and say, you can keep your money as long as I can have all of the people. But I've heard your prayers today, and we're praying for this town. And we're praying for this region. And we're saying, you know what? We'll give money to see the people come in. There's more people in this town, in our region, in our, in, our, in, in our wider region, in our nation, in the nations of the world, as if the question is, what do I do with my money? Man, I'm willing to give my money to the kingdom and keep the people. I don't want to keep the money and lose the people. Salem, later named Jerusalem, represents that, that place of worship, that place of blessing. He's met by these two kings. The, the, the one, one that's saying, you can have all of the money, but you keep the people. And the other one that says, hey, I'm going to bless you. And I serve a God who blesses you. And he says, you know what? I'm going to give you 10%. The king of Salem meets with Abraham and, and, uh, 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 with a blessing. And his heart to, uh, that is a heart of God in every interaction was to bless us, to bless him. The king of Salem is a representation of the Jesus who is to come. Hebrew tells us that Jesus will become our high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus speaks blessing over our lives. He brings bread and wine, still the the major sacraments as we've already had today, and he brings them before him in a way that he's going to bless. And the response of Abraham is, I'm going to give to you. And it's very clear here that it's a tenth. The king of Sodom, he has his own proposition. You keep your money. You get that. You knock yourself out over there. You build that. You accumulate all of that. You can have anything you want. I just have the people. It's the opposite. God says to me, give me your worship. God wants my worship. He wants my attention. In a day and age where maybe the greatest gift that we could give God is our attention because we're so distracted. Funny story, Kathy, I bought a book um, two weekends ago about how not to be distracted. I haven't opened it yet. Um, <laughs> it's sitting on my de- uh, my, uh, beside my uh, bed and my son was in my room the other day and he goes, hey, Dad, how's that book? And I said, oh, mate, I haven't even started yet. We do have a few things going on. We have moving buildings and, and a whole lot of other things that are happening. And I was just, I just like, I, I'm, I'm, not a, um, I'm not a fast reader. I'm a very, I'm an internal processor. So it takes me a long time to read anything. And I don't want to open it and, and just read past all of the stuff that I need to change in my life. But one of the greatest things we can do is actually give God our attention. That's our worship. I reckon we should give the tech guys a great big hand today. Don't they do an awesome job always? Uh, you always notice uh, the tech guys when it doesn't go well. <laughs> and today, I didn't notice them at all. They did amazing. And that helped me to give my attention to God. Those testimonies that you came up and did that today, it helped me give my attention to God. It's called worship. And when I sit down, when my pay packet comes in, and I, pay packet, is that a, is that a what the heck is that when you actually used to get a packet with pay in it? And, um, and coins. There was these coin things that were in there. Amazing. And uh, 
wow, some people are like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about. And, uh, and, um, and, and I sit down, and I still do it. I, I don't, I, for me personally, it's not, a, it's not an AP. I don't do it as an AP. I sit down every time there's an increase that comes in, and I, and I go in there, and I work out, and I think, well, I know what it is. Okay, so what, what else can I do? If it, if it comes in like it's a random number, I usually r- round it up. Yeah? I don't know. It's, it's not big bucks, I'm telling you. But it's usually, I'm just like, because I'm always kind of saying, I'm going to give you my attention. I'm going to give you my worship. <laughs> Abraham's response, we see a, a life of worship. He refused the world and he worshiped God. The central issue with our money is worship. He showed his worship by what he did with his money. I'm going to skip a, b- a bunch of things. If we hold on to money, then we hold on to self. Now, I've got to tell you, the first two giants that we have to face are the money giants, yeah? Could have just called them that, Canaanites, the money giants. And, uh, and then the second one is, is, is the fear giants. And guess what? Sometimes they come and attack us at the same time. Because I had that there, and now it's all of a sudden it's gone. I've been doing this thing here, and I got a bill that came in here, and I got a second report, and all of a sudden, all of the alarm bells go off, all the red flags come up, because I'm not even sure how I'm going to be able to deal with that anymore. And we, we realize, but do we want to live in the promises of God or not? Do we want to worship Him? Or do we want to keep the money and lose the people? Big challenge, yeah? Jesus had two conversations with men about money. They were totally, and they had totally different outcomes. The first one, the rich young ruler. Just by the way, the the yet rich, the rich, the rich young ruler. The three things that our generation honor more than anything: rich, young, ruler. Jesus looked at him and he loved him and he said, "The one thing that you lack." He said, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. You will have the windows of heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. He wanted salvation, but he was unwilling to worship. Zacchaeus, Luke 19 and verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said uh, to the Lord, Look, Lord, here, I now give you half of my possession to the poor. And I have cheated in, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said, Today salvation has come to your house because uh, this man too is a son of Abraham. For, he, for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. His response to Jesus was worship. You know that Jesus was killed over an offering where the woman came with the alabaster jar of perfume. And that was the start of the end of Jesus. If I could encourage you today, is how often do we look at situations as intermediate Steve? And Adam and Eden Eve. When we look at a situation that we know, in my case, my mum. My mum had let me know. In your case, it might have been someone else that said, hey, look, this is how 
You worship God. This is how you step into the promises that God has in store for you. This is how you step into a place where there is uh, the, 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 uh, the windows of heaven are open over your life. And then we, oh, but it's a little bit faster. It's a little bit easier. It's a little bit, not gonna take so much of my energy if I go this way and we choose a different way. Our money will show us what we worship. Sometimes I've got to, can I be honest, sometimes that's embarrassing when I'm throwing stuff out that I've spent money on. <laughs> that four weeks earlier I thought was really important. And now I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It, show, it can show where my heart is at. I've been super blessed along this journey. We bought our first house. We were in Palmerston North. Before I became a youth pastor, we were um, community uh, um, workers, social, social workers, and we worked for a Christian organization, which uh, at that time didn't pay us. So we pretty much worked for free. Uh, we, we wanted to buy, we wanted to live in the community, uh, which was the, um, God had spoken to us about working uh, in Palmerston North. I had this conversation with a, one of the police head police guys, and he said, Steve, do you know that uh, all of the crime in Palmerston North is committed by 10 families? And, um, and I was like, how big are they? <laughs> and, um, and, and, and I just, I couldn't get it out of my head, so we decided, what if we work with those 10 families? And we've worked, and so we started working with the young people coming through there, and we built relationship with them, and we worked with the principals and the, and the, and the police, and we did that for for about seven or eight years, we took a bunch of kids from the age that they were 13 right through high school and just stayed with their family. It was, it was an amazing time. We had a whole lot of volunteers. But you know what? We just didn't get paid. And we, um, but there was an opportunity uh, to buy a house and right in the middle of this place. And, and one day I was, I was actually on a camp and my wife rang me and she said, hey, I've seen this house. I reckon we should buy it. And I was like, oh, I think that's a great idea. Well, how? And, um, and so we... We kind of, in, in short story, we went to the bank. We went to the bank and we said, hey, look, this, uh, I, 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 we so, we'd sold a car. We'd got a couple of things together so that we would have enough for our deposit. And the guy said, hey, look, I'm going to take this and I'm going to send it to my boss. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know how you could ever get uh, a loan for this house when you don't have a wage. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I hear you, mate. <laughs> and, um, and so he did that and he came back and, and, and he put, called us back in and he said, hey, look, I've gone to the manager and the manager said no. But I think you could do it. That's what he said to us. And so every now and again, I'm allowed to take one person on that I reckon could do it and I think it's you guys. Yeah. I've been tithing. And God made the first report. When we moved to Hamilton, we took the... Uh, the, we sold our house there and we, we, we used all of that money to start our church because we, again, we didn't, I, I don't know how, I've, I've done bad with my um, dealing with God when he says go and do something. And, and so we went back and again, not getting paid again. We just went back and started building the church again. So all of the uh, equity we had from that home, we lost along, well, we didn't lost, we gave it because we were 
uh, sowed it into the church, and we got back to this place where one day my wife was praying about it, and um, God said to, said to her, hey, why don't you go and get yourself a house? And she said, but we, we don't have anything. And he goes, uh, and so the church that we were running, we used different venues all over the place. So one Sunday we're here, and one Sunday we're here, and you had to keep up with us. You know, like, we're just like, hey, welcome, you found us, great. And, uh, and so we we're all over the, all over the place, and, and God just said to her, hey, you, you sort out buildings for the church, why don't you sort out one for yourselves? And just through a series of miracles, once again, we were able to get into a house just before everything went mental, and, um, and we were blessed once again. If you want to live in the promises of God, you've got to worship Him. The question is, will you worship Him? Will you take what is yours, your attention, your money, your time, and will you worship Him? Let's pray. Mighty God, we thank you that you're here. And we thank you that you are not the king of Sodom. You're not the king saying, you can have this and you can have this, just give me all of the people. We think you're the, you're the God that says, I want to see your kids and your family and your boss and your friends and your workers come to know me and live in eternity and the promises that I have in store for them. I have a report for them, and it's a great report, but some of them don't even know. Lord, today we give you our attention. It's the best thing that we can give you. And Lord, today we're open to hear from you about our money because it's a giant that we're going to have to face. And Lord, we don't want to be like Eat and Eve and see what's good for us and take that for ourselves. We don't want to be like intermediate Steve and say, well, from my viewpoint, this looks way easier. Instead, we're going to trust you. We pray, God, that you are going to open heaven over this place. The windows of heaven are going to be poured out, not just in finances, but in souls. We pray over the schools of Te Amuri. We pray over the young adults over Te Amuri. We pray over businesses in Te Amuri. We pray over families in Te Amuri. And we pray, Father God, as we come and say, God, we're here to worship you, that you would unlock the people and that you would bring them in. Today, Lord, if there's intermediate Steve things that I'm doing right now, would you highlight them in my life? Because, Lord, I don't want to use my wisdom when you say that your ways are so much higher than my ways. Would you speak to those things today? Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I finish here today, I mentioned before about when I was in that alleyway, I was saved by a relationship. Might be one of the greatest stories that I've learned about being a Christian is once again, I can be saved by my relationship with Jesus. You know, something that struck me uh, once, I'm not even sure how old I was, is that salvation for me is an ongoing thing. I'm so pleased that I was recognized by someone in the back as being my brother's brother. And so I need to get myself right with 
Jesus so that I'm still recognized by who I'm related to and who I've given my life to. In a moment, I'm going to pray. You might have given your heart to, to the Lord years and years ago. I gave my heart to the Lord in Horofanua High School Hall. There's about 400 people there. I don't know who was preaching. The guy said, hey, if you're here today, put up, if you, knew, you need to get yourself right with Jesus, put up your hand. I put my hand up. Man, my hand was the heaviest it's ever been. I felt like I was doing shoulder, shoulders at the gym. I was like, I couldn't get that, you know, like I was really trying to get that thing up. I put my hand up. He said, hey, if you put your hand up today, I want you to come down to the front. I thought there was heaps of people. I went up the front. I was the only one. But you know what? I've given my heart to the Lord many, many times because I need to get myself right with him. Because along the way, I say yes to Jesus. That alleyway looks good. I say, hey, yes to Jesus. Mm, that really looks good fruit for me. And I need to come and get myself right with him again. In a moment, I'm just going to pray. And whether you've never given your heart to the Lord before or whether you've done it a bunch of different times, if you need to get yourself right with God, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pray, count from three to one. And when I get to one, I'm just going to simply ask you to lift your hand. I'm going to see you lift your hand. And we're going to pray a prayer together. Because you know one of the greatest things that we can do is get ourselves right with him. Lord, we thank you that you're here. Lord, we thank you that you see us. Lord, we thank you that you are ruling for us. But Lord, we need to get ourselves right with you. And if you're here today and you say, man, I've just got distracted I've got really busy. I've actually mucked up. Or you're here today and say, hey, for the first time, I need to get myself right with God. When I get to one, I want you to simply slip your hand up and I'm going to take a moment to pray for you. It'd be my greatest honor to pray for you today. Three, two, one. Awesome, 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 awesome. People all over the room. Amazing, my friend over here. Once you've put your hand up, I've seen it, you can pop it back down. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Others, fantastic. Anyone else saying, hey, I just need to get myself right with God today. Brilliant. We're going to pray this prayer. If you put your hand up, I want you to call out to God. If you're a little bit shy to put your hand up, don't worry, I'm not going to bring you to the front like that happened to me that day. Brilliant. Fantastic. I see your hand as well. We're going to pray this prayer together. Would you repeat after me? Mighty God, I thank you that you see me. I need you. I need your hope. I need your love. I need that first report. I'm sorry for how I've got distracted and how I've sinned. But today, I'm getting myself right with you. I believe that you died on the cross for me, rose again so that I might have eternal life. I accept that eternal life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, you've got a great big hand. Praise God, awesome. Thank you, Steve. That's awesome. We got two things out of that. The first one was learn how to say his name. But more importantly, uh, that was a word from the Lord for us. And um, I just honor you, Steve, for the second time. Uh, second word for the church that you brought both times is just really uh, appreciate that. I appreciate that and I appreciate you and uh, the way that you bring uh, it in such a good way. Uh, so um, um, I just feel like we just need to land it there. There is, um, there is a lot uh, that I sense 